my name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. Walking with a limp like, will I ever run? Once again, or is this it? Am I forever done? Living in the hospital was never fun. Some people were cool, but not everyone. Welcome, everybody. It's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. And today we're doing the mailbag, which was Pat and I's favorite part of the show. Mailbag. Now we have Julia to read them, which is even going to be better for all of us. I don't have to do anything. I love this. And, um, so with that said, let's introduce Julia. How are you, my dear? I'm very good. And you? Perfect. And we're interested in getting into this. Pat and I, this has always been a highlight of us because uh, it, it gives us an opportunity to hear what our fans have been saying. Yeah. You, you are a fan of the show, so you know about the show. In fact, yeah, we, how you we, found we, out about getting into the show. And, 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 and that's a good question because, you know, what we're getting, Julia is the results of all of you who voted for who and what and where. And thank God that uh, we have you, my dear. Yeah. I, I love your accent, so that, that that's a big asset to me. <laughs> oh, hold on here a second. She has an accent? <laughs> I, I thought, oh, I thought we had the accents. No, she she has a well, she has a more legible accent than we do. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I'm understandable. <laughs> okay. Well, with not nothing further to do, let's get into the mailbag. Mailbag. Definitely. So this first question is from Artie, and it is addressed to Patrick. So he says, "I just finished the Sixth Family." And as an avid reader of mysteries and thrillers, it's one of the best books I've ever read. Wow, thank you. fact and fiction worked flawlessly. You're probably asked this a lot, but where did you get the idea for this story? Is it the restaurant in Corona, Queens, Il Pasco, a real place? I couldn't quite find it online. Okay, well, uh, those of you who have read the book know that we mixed fact and fiction. Uh, and uh, it's up to the reader to decide which is real and which isn't. But we uh, asked the question. We had a good basis to start with. The book is about uh, uh, a, a diary Marilyn Monroe, the actress, could have kept. And Gianni is on a quest to find it. That's the basis of the book. Uh, and along the way, like I said, uh, we straighten out some stories, too, because there, there are some myths about uh, certain uh episodes in uh in the, the mafia that just weren't true and we uh we, we straighten that out you have to decide which ones they are and that's what makes the book kind of fun now as far as uh il pascola the restaurant that we use it, it plays a significant role in this book it's a queen's restaurant yeah it's a restaurant. we're not going to go any further than that yeah it's it's a real restaurant we just changed the name of it and those of you Whoever in the Corona Avenue uh, uh, area, Corona Queens, and you want a good place to eat, just ask, where's a good Italian restaurant around here? And you'll get to the real El Pascola. That's all we're going to say about that. As far as yeah, yeah. <laughs> as far as uh, ideas, uh, fiction for me, it takes on a life of itself. It really didn't have a plan. Gianni, I talked about this every day. It just went from day to day. What would happen if? You know, mm -hmm. what would you do next? And it turned out to be a great book, if I do say so myself. So 
Uh, yeah, and we're getting great comments from like yeah, like yeah, we are. Viewers. And uh, and for the audience that don't know why we went into getting into the novels and fiction, is we would I was told by my lawyers that we were disclosing too much of real lives and we probably could be liable for mentioning names and people. Yeah, that's so, the least what we could be. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the least. I, well, I just cleaned that up. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but I'm glad everybody's enjoying it. And uh, we want to remind you, the Audible is up now, and I read that. So if you haven't gotten to that yet, and you're on yeah, Johnny's, narrator, Johnny's a narrator of that book. He did a hell of a job, as he did on the first one. So, Next question. Yeah. So the next one is from Oscar and it's for Gianni. Um, Gianni, salutations from Nashville, Tennessee. Big fan and was wondering if you remember Jimmy Chagra while you were living in Vegas. Heard he was a rich guy who made his millions smuggling drugs in the 70s. Wondering if you ever had any crossings with him or at your restaurant. He apparently hired Woody Harrelson's dad to murder federal judge. Thanks in advance for any information. Well, I think he was a big customer of mine. <laughs> First in my club at the Tropicana, which, you know, was a high roller club, and that opened at midnight, and I had the pleasure of Elvis opening that. And then when I opened Stage Street, I mean, well, all this guy had was cash. I never – see, when you live in Vegas and you live the life I'm living in Vegas, you don't ask where the money comes from long as you're spending in my place, come on in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's moving on with that one. Yeah, um, the next one is from Chris, also for Gianni. Um, Gianni and Patrick love the podcast. Gianni, in an earlier episode, you spoke of boarding a ship to Italy and, among other things, becoming a renowned chef. Would you please tell us the top three dishes you would make for your dearest friends and family? I listen to many different podcasts, and this is by far my favorite. Oh, thank you. We appreciate that. Well, I'm at, a, at a necessity of just staying in Europe for 22 months, and I love food, I went to different great restaurants and had nothing to do until I was told I could come back. So I would go back the next day, talk to the chef, and say, you know, I'd really like to learn the, these dishes and help you in the kitchen. I don't want no pay or anything. And uh, they knew I had friends over there, and that's what I did. But I was smart enough to get a letter from each restaurant. And when I got to Rome, and we, I went to the famous Angelo's, and uh, he was part of the culinary arts school there. So I got a saucier's license, and I'm into sauces. I love it. Uh, my favorite dishes way back then are not my favorite dishes now because I'm really low on cheese. And but my Alfredo was my my best. But having heart attack on the plate. What's that? Heart attack on the plate. Oh my God! Yeah, tell me about it. Especially if, if you're using the real Giamo and the fresh mozzarella and and the ricotta cheese and the fourteen eggs. <laughs> yeah, fourteen eggs and. <laughs> And, and they were even putting masala wine in some of it. It was like yeah. crazy. No, but I mean, now I'm eating a lot better. I'm I'm happy with my new sauces that you'll be hearing about. I um, I'm producing six new sauces of my recipes coming out of Sicily, and uh, all the ingredients are from there. We're using you know San Maranzano tomatoes, 
but uh, we're doing a lot of mononadas and stuff like the putanescas. So that, that's what I'm eating now. And so thank you for the question. You're eating well. You know, Johnny, I predict you're going to live to be 80. Yep. No, without a doubt. Okay. So uh, I'm a seer. There you go. Next. So the next question is from Asaf Wiseman in Israel, and it's for Johnny. Wow. To, yeah, long, long way. <laughs> um, my question to, to Gianni is, do you have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? If not, I think you deserve it. I'm with you from episode one, and I love and appreciate your and Patrick's work. Please continue. Thank you so much for that. I really don't want a star. I've been asked if I wanted one. You have to get a group together. I think it costs like $1,500 when I was first asked. And uh, to me, it's a great tribute to somebody. I, I just don't like the, the, I've seen some stars over there. <laughs> and they're so filthy and everything on to just imagine. I'd rather a star on the wall than on the, on the sidewalk. You don't want to be walked on. Yeah, I don't want to be stepped on. <laughs> Fair enough. And who knows what's on your shoe? <laughs> yeah, these, you know, these, the, these stars now aren't what they used to be. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, there's actually a chimpanzee that has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Well, anybody can get one. You pay, you pay the organization for one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know that, Julia? I, I didn't know that. No, I thought you had to go through some sort of. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, you have to have something to do with show business. Jeez. And then you have, you know, a contribution to make. Mm. For the cost of the star and whatever else. And, and then, so, and you know, so it's, uh, I mean, it, it, some people want it. And, and some people in retirement are getting that as a tribute to their careers, which is good. But, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm really not a star. I'm just having a lot of fun. <laughs> so the next one is from Mitchell, and it's for everyone. Dear Patrick and Johnny. I saw on the news recently that New York is cracking down on coal and wood-fired pizzerias in the area to cut carbon emissions. They can mess with a lot of things, but they can't mess with New York pizza. Can somebody call in the mob up there and have them straighten this out? Thanks for talking, taking on my email, and God bless. Well, you know, you know, the funniest <laughs> thing about that, I, I, I just had a conversation with a guy who happens to be a mobster, who happens to own 16... Wood burning fireplaces, and he's going to make the pizza the way he wants. <laughs> you know, all the trouble that that city has, I mean, it's going down the toilet, and they're worried about wood and coal burning pizza ovens. You know, there was a guy that that uh, came from uh, Brooklyn all the way to Gracie Mansion, which is where the mayor lives in New York City. It's on the Upper East Side with a bunch of pies, and he went to the gate. You know, it's, 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 it's a gated house. It's a mansion. Right. And of course, he called the press, and uh, the whole thing was about him taking slices and throwing them on 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 the uh, Gracie Mansion lawn over the wall. Right. He, he said, uh, "This is what I think." He, uh, you know, said, "You know, this is a, a typical New York thing." You know, throwing pizza at the mayor. But to the mayor's credit, he uh, was interviewed the next day, and he was asked about this guy throwing pizza at his house, and he said, "You know, I want to sit down with this guy over a veggie pizza." He specified veggie, veggie pizza pizza and, and a beer, and we could discuss our differences. I'm glad he didn't say a pineapple pizza, because that. Is that, that that's fantastic. offensive. 
Mm. Anybody, I tell you, uh, don't even offer me pieces with pineapple slices on them. That's horrible. It's it's funny. I had a conversation with, with some dignitaries the other night, and I said, why don't they first consider all the idling buses with the carbon monoxide before you start touching firewood. <laughs> I mean, really. I know. Moving on. That, that, Moving on. Gave that too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is from Cody McIntosh for Gianni. Mr. Russo, my name is Cody McIntosh, and I live in Stewartsville, Missouri. I'm a big fan of yours. I love your movies and I love watching your podcast, Hollywood Godfather. I also own your book, The Hollywood Godfather. It was a pleasure to read. Mr. Russo, how can I get an autographed picture of you? I looked forward to hearing back from you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Well, Pat, we have that set up, right, Pat? We do. Uh, We've answered this question, but of course, you know, maybe you didn't listen to that episode. Uh, Send a request uh, to me at uh, P.O. Box four. Four three, Manesson M O N E S S E N in the great state of Pa, that's P A, one five zero six two, and uh, we will see that you uh, get that picture autographed. Oh, do you have pictures, John? Your headshots? Oh my God, do I ever? Okay, I well, send me send me a few, all right? Yeah, and then and, but uh, we also want to put into that. Make sure it's a self-addressed stamped envelope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because otherwise... Uh, Our budget will go $10,000 a month to sending yeah, books. They actually go broke sending out pictures of yourself. So, yes. Yeah, and our books. How many t- people send their books to be autographed? Yeah, same thing with the books. Uh, same address, and uh, we'll sign them. Just to in- include a, a self-adjust stamped envelope. If you don't, you just bought us a book. Thank there you. you. Go. Thank you. <laughs> so the next one is from Nathan. And he says, Dear all, I was listening to a podcast called Infamous America. I've listened to this podcast for several years and it is reputable. The most recent season was on Richard Kuklinski. Their research on the season finds that Kuklinski was involved with Roy DeMayo's death and involved with Paul Castellano's killing. You have covered Kuklinski in a previous episode and I wanted to get your thoughts. Kuklinski was a legend in his own mind. Hello. I'm not saying he didn't kill people, but according to him, he killed, killed, killed everybody. everybody. He killed famous. everybody from Julius Caesar to Cock Robin. No, he just, <laughs> he, he, he just liked to hear himself talk. At the end, he gave a lot of press conferences. In fact, in fact you can see his interviews on YouTube, uh, and he is so drugged up, he can barely speak. He was on some kind of a, a tranquilizing drug. And uh, he was eventually, he eventually died in prison, as I recall. And of course, there's a conspiracy theory behind that. Uh, You know, he was murdered in prison. Nobody cared about this guy at the end. His fame was, uh, they call him the Iceman, not because he had a heart of ice. Because after he killed you, he would put you in a freezer to confuse a medical examiner as the time and date of death. That was the only brilliant thing he did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He also liked to kill with poison gas. He sprayed poison gas in your face. If, uh, if if he got the contract, and he was a family man with wife, kids, that they never knew what he did. Yeah, there you go. Moving on. Yeah. Next one is from Paul, and it's for me. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to have you as a co-host. Great speaking voice. Thank you very much. I'm glad you can understand the accent. <laughs> um, could you tell the listeners a bit about yourself? Um, 
Yeah, I'm from Melbourne, Australia. Um, lived there, grew up there my entire life. I've been living in New York for about a year and a half now and hopefully plan to stay here for a little while longer. Um, yeah, just in performing arts. Um, I've known Johnny for a couple of years. We're um, close family friends with my parents. And yeah, just, you know, trying it out in the business. And yeah, that's that's a little bit a little bit about me. Well, you know, what's going to happen is, I think I've mentioned this in the past, in a little while, it's going to be your podcast. Everybody's going to be interested in you, and they're going to say, who are these two old guys on Julia's podcast? <laughs> That's the way that's going to work. But, uh, thank you for your inquiry, and thank you for noticing them, because we appreciate her already. And I definitely appreciate it as well. So thank you very much, Paul. <laughs> um, the next one is for Patrick, and it is from Philip. Hey, guys, great shows. I was wondering if you had any stories about the French connection, the actors, the story, et cetera. Thanks. Keep up all the good work. Regards. Well, uh, little known fact, I was, I was an extra in the movie. Uh, and that's because. I didn't know that. Oh, oh, I was an extra in, in quite a few movies because the unit I was in, it was I often speak about, the Tactical Control Force, the TPF, did all, did all the security for movies shot on location in New York. Oh, wow. And they, and they say, hey, we need a cop, that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, I, the, 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 the French connection was real. It was uh, at, at the time, Heron was coming from Marseille, France. Right. And uh, that was the case. Now, this uh, this was the largest cocaine uh, heroin seizure up until that time in American history. Now, it uh, it wouldn't even make page six. Exactly. Uh, but it, for, for the time, it, it was it was a lot. I believe it was uh, 200 kilos or something like that. I mean, it's it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of heroin, but it doesn't really, uh, you know, say to to what's happening today. But that the French Connection heroin was stored in the NYPD property clerk's room, which oh, is uh, a misnomer right. because the room is a, is is a, a warehouse the size of three football fields, and one day it just vanished. Uh, somebody passing themselves off as a cop. When you make an arrest as a police officer and there's evidence seized, it goes to the property clerk. And from there, when you need it, the police officer needs it to go to trial to show evidence. He would go to the property clerk, say, hi, whoever's behind the counter, sign his name uh, in, a, in a book uh, and take out the property. And when the court date was over, he would bring it back. And that's what happened in this particular case. The guy shows up signs out a lot of heroin never came back is that uh, crazy that's the movie i love that movie. somebody <laughs> recognized a flaw in the system undoubtedly from a corrupt uh, police officer and said hey whatever you want you can just walk out of here with after that the rules were changed nobody was ever arrested no heroin was no heroin was ever recovered but the system has changed now you gotta put a thumbprint you gotta take your picture now, you know, that everything's been computerized, but uh, the French Connection heroin is in somebody's arms. It's uh, we, long, we, long we, gone. Long <laughs> gone. Long and gone. they just let, so it was used for evidence for him to take it out. What he needed. No, no, no. He, he, no, he made, no, they just gave it to him. They thought in the routine, 
you just come down and sign it from the clerk, a guy sitting there, a retired cop by me, maybe a wounded cop, who knows? And he just showed, you know, give it to him, give him, tell him the way to go. Oh, here, go get it and give it to you even. I mean, I, I used to take evidence out of a, out of the, the, the property clerk all the time. You showed your shield, which is a badge. Hmm. Don't have to show your ID card, just your shields and uh, say something and cop talk, look like a cop, wear cop shoes. You're good to go. I mean, you take anything out of it. So this heroin had to be shown as evidence during the, her- the French Connection trial. And at the end of the day, they bring it back. Only they didn't bring it back this time. But the they, entirety of... They took, I don't know if they took all of it, but they took a lot of it. Millions of dollars worth of heroin. Which isn't a lot. One person could carry it out. Yeah, a couple of kilos. Yeah. There you go. The next one is from Kevin. And he is asking, when will the interview with Tommy James be aired? James, who? With Tommy James. Oh, Tommy James. Oh, yeah, Tommy James. They approached us, Tommy James's person. They all have people, you know, got a hold of me. And they said, uh, uh, Tommy would like to be on the show because he wrote a book uh, recounting his time in rock and roll in the 60s in Manhattan. It was all mobbed up. He was threatened by the mob. And it was a good fit. So I, you know, talked to Gianni and said, hey, you know, what do you say? And we agreed, let's have him on. So I got back to the manager and she says, oh, we, he'd love to be on your show. Let me send you the book so you'll have a point of reference to ask you questions. A month goes by. Uh, nothing. So I never got the book. And I contacted his manager again. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's on the road uh, until after Christmas, which was about another month. So she said, I'll get back to you the first week in January. Never heard from the guy. So it's two strikes. So Gianni and I figured, let's give him a last swing at bat one more time. So I said, perhaps we crossed in the mails, but we can't get organized here with this guy. Does he still want to be on the show? Oh, he'd love to be on the show. But do the same thing again. Uh, he'll be contacting you shortly. The book is in the mail. Never heard from him. We're so, still waiting. So your guess is what, as good as ours. Well, I think at, 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 at this time, he disrespected us and we should disinvite the guy. What do you think? There you go. Perfect. There you go. Let's do it officially right now. Okay. Disinvite him. We're disinvited. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if they ask why, because Julia said so. Yeah, I, I put my foot down. There you go. There you go. She's <laughs> the muscle of this group. There you go. How okay. are we doing with time? Do we have to make money? or? Oh, uh, let's make Oh, uh, yeah. Why not? Go ahead. All right. I, I See, I know when to make money. You do. Yeah. You, <laughs> you got internal <laughs> clock. <laughs> we'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. We know where you live. Hi, Patrick Picciarelli here. Before we get to our listeners' emails, a quick word about the new fiction book series I've launched. Private investigator Ray Yale tackles his first two cases in Bloodshot Eyes and The Pop Line. Both books are in paperback and are available on Amazon.com. All right, we're back with great questions. And remember, this is the, the backbone of our show. Your inquiries about what we can do, who you want us to talk about. Now we have Julia besides. So there's three people you can ask questions to. Moving on. Next question, please. Next question is from Manny, and it's for Johnny. Um, are there any updates to your appearances? I'm hoping you'll make it to the Austin area one day. Well, Austin, Texas is not on, not on my list right now. I am currently booked 
Um, and I know when the show is airing. So the whole month of July is gone. I'm in Maryland. I'm in Rhode Island. I'm in uh, Massachusetts and Boston a lot. Then I'm going to the Carolinas. I'll be in Carolina all through August. And now I'm starting to book, believe it or not, the Hamptons since closing. And so I, I don't know. Just look at our newsletter once a month, and we'll let you know when. Most of the shows we don't post because once they're sold out, like I'm sold out almost every show in, in July. So why talk about it if you can't get in? Well, they didn't know that. I know. It's perfect. Yep, they didn't. That's why I'm saying. Here you go. All right. Um, not sure who this next one is from, um, but it says to everyone, um, I'm born and raised in Little Italy, but it's been a while since I've been back, about 30 years. Do you know anything about a neighborhood guy that went by the street name of Johnny Dogs? He uh, was a very level-wise guy who had a reputation as being violent. A friend of my uncle's had a run-in with him on the streets one day, and he was sent to the hospital. I knew him. That's Pat's neighborhood. <laughs> it's a small world. Uh, Johnny mm-hmm. Dogs. Uh, of course, that wasn't his real name. <laughs> yeah, we now christen you Mr. Dogs. No, he, uh, he was a bad, bad guy. He bought my father's restaurant. It's a small world. He bought wow. my father's restaurant after my father passed away. And uh, I, I tell you the way this guy was 14 years old. My father died. And, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, I was 14. I didn't handle finances or anything like that. But my mother would send me down there once a month to pick up money because uh, she didn't pay the whole thing up front. And one time I went down there with, with, with a friend of mine. I always go down with somebody, you know, you know, young boys take a train. I get a whole pile of money and then we go home. But uh, I said something to him. I must have insulted him. You know, as you know, young wise guys do, you know, in the real definition of, of, of the term, I was just a, you know, a kid, a teenage kid. I must have ran off at the mouth and said something. But he said, can I see you in, in, in the kitchen for a bit? And uh, my friend, I was with a guy named John Florio. And he, he waited in the dining room and I turned the corner. As soon as I, I turned the corner, he's waiting. And he punches me in the jaw. 14 years old. What a, a, you know, I don't recall whether it was hard. It didn't knock me down, didn't knock me out. I didn't even have to step back. I just looked at him and he said something that's lost to the ages. I mean, this was many men. My father died in 1960. I told you how long ago that was. But uh, yeah, I knew Johnny Dogs. And uh, he, uh, because of his sparkling personality, he he destroyed the business within about two years. And uh, he had to sell out to a Chinese restaurant, which remains there to this day. Oh, great. What a nasty guy. Mm. I never knew. Yeah, you, you, you're better off. Trust me. Mm. Moving on. <clears throat> so the next one is from Eddie, and it's for Patrick. This may sound simplistic, but what does it take to become a good detective? I'm assuming this isn't something you can learn in school. No, there are no detective schools. Well, there probably are somewhere, but you're not going to learn anything there. Uh, the main thing, there's a lot of things, I mean, to being a good detective, but the main one is have a, a, an, an open mind. And I can't, what always annoys me is when I, I see high profile cases 
And uh, I see it's being mishandled. The JonBenet Ramsey case comes to mind quickly. JonBenet Ramsey was murdered in 1994. She was a six-year-old kid. I mean, everybody knows this story, but for those of you who don't, she was killed in her own home. Her body was found in the basement. That said, you know, the parents are always the first ones to be suspect, and that's fine. But they got pissed. These detectives got pissed off because of the, the, the parents invoked their right to counsel. That's why it's called the right. Hello. You're not, I mean, anybody that talks to this is a capital case. You don't talk to the, the police. You don't know who these guys are. You don't know if they're trapping you or not. And whatever you say literally can be held against you. And you don't know what you're saying in the spur of the moment. Not to invoke counsel, you're doing yourself a disservice. So all they said, and these were educated people. The father was a very wealthy guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the mother was was uh, an, an educated woman. When they read them their rights, they took it seriously. Yes, we would like counsel before we speak to you again. Well, that pissed people off. And they uh, focused in on these parents to the exclusion of everybody else. And they wasted years. I think they wasted eight to 10 years until something called touch DNA came about. And they managed to get a minute DNA that they saved off the body. And they found out that it belonged to someone uh, other than the parents. So they wasted all those years. So the, the best thing that you can have that anybody could have in life, but particularly when you're solving a crime, is have an open mind. You might not like somebody. I mean, you know, as a police officer, or even as a private detective, you deal, I don't like most of my clients, you know, but uh, I hope they're not listening. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think you're you know, out of business right now. <laughs> yeah. But you, you, you just have to be aware that you, you, have, you can't have any prejudices. That's why I always marveled at a judge. You know, a good judge, I mean, they, they see the scum of the earth, you know, and you got to be perfectly fair. Because if you start focusing in and building a case, I'm talking about uh, cops now, building a case out of somebody you don't like, you want the crime to fit the person. And, and you, go, you go out of your way to do that. And, it, and it's not something that you do intentionally most of the time. Uh, it, it's just that it's, it's, it's inbred in, in people. You don't like somebody. And we all have that right, but you can't do it as an investigator. Right. You have to keep an open mind, and that's how you solve your cases. Hmm. Right. Thank you for all that information. The next question yeah. is from Carl. He said, I'm a student of mob history as a hobby. One of the reasons I never miss an episode of your podcast. There's right. not much regarding Frank Nitti's personal life outside of the mob. For example, it was said that he was claustrophobic, but apparently survived an 18th, 18 month prison sentence with no known reports of his claustrophobia. Additionally, his suicide was a result of three shots to his head. The autopsy report is available online as well as newspaper accounts. Sounds like the worst case of suicide I've ever heard of. Any comments? Well, how, do, how does anybody survive after the first shot? You shoot well, yourself in the time. I, no, it wasn't. You no, know, the, the head is a big target. He shot himself in the face three times, mm. and and uh, you know the face could hit a cheek, jaw, could be anywhere. But he did because I went. I heard of this years ago. I said the same thing. You know, it's the worst case of suicide I ever saw. Three times in the head. I mean, one shot should do it. No, he shot himself in the face three times. What's this, what's known when you're committing suicide? 
it's what's known as hesitation marks. Like somebody tries to slit their wrists, they just don't slit them. They, and I've had a lot of suicide uh, cases as a cop. Uh, they, they, they'll, they'll slash, 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 and the fourth one will be the, the coup de gras. You know, they do it a little at a time. Uh, Robin Williams did the same thing when, when he tried to hang himself. Uh, he did it wrong the first time. Uh, he tried. He tried hard to kill himself by hanging. Didn't work until he moved on. So what, what Frank Nitti did was two hesitation shots. And the third one was what did it. Yeah. But, but he, he offers a valuable question there. Uh, yeah. He already did an 18-month bid. I mean, he, he was in trouble. Otherwise, he, he wouldn't have committed suicide. He didn't want to go back to prison. But I, I was just surprised. I mean, unless he was looking at more time. Do you know anything about that, Gianni? What no, was- not at all. No. no. Nothing. Okay. Well, it's, that could happen. I mean, I, I, I once had a, a suicide by stabbing. And I, I walked into the room. I never saw so much blood in my life. There was blood on the ceiling, blood on the walls spray everywhere and i said the obvious homicide i mean i was a patrol cop and you wait for the medical examiner to show up as soon as he walked in the room looks around he said yeah suicide and i looked at him i said this guy wants to leave and then go play cards or something have a cocktail <laughs> with friends and i looked at him he sees me looking at him i'm only a patrol cop i don't know I was new on the job he said let me explain something to you and he explained about blood spatter and hesitation marks the guy slashed his wrist, ran all over the room, bouncing off the walls, trying to hurt himself and slashing again, he slashed his throat and still didn't kill himself. More blood is spraying. And he explained step by step. And he was right. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. I don't want to give anybody ideas. You're having a bad day. <laughs> Old Julia should be happy to talk you through it. Yeah. Go for a walk in the park. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, so the next one is from Hillary, and it's for Gianni. Tony Accardo was said to have had the same butler houseboy for many years. Do you know anything about this guy? Yeah, I knew him. I met him I, numerous times. A, a friend of a friend, and uh, Tony Accardo, I think, was uh, probably one of the best role models of, of a man with respect and knew what he was doing. And uh, kept his mouth shut and ruled, not like five families in New York or anywhere else. Chicago is the outfit, and he was the boss. And there was, was it true? What? Excuse me. Was, was it true he never did a day in jail? Never. Wow. And he, he was a bodyguard for Capone. Yeah, as a boss, you have a target on your back. And for him, not to do any time is amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, and then that's when he put the Sam in, Sam Giancana, as the street boss. And we all know what he did. He sent Spilatro to organize Vegas for them again, which was already organized. And doing just fine without him. Doing a lot better without him. <laughs> he, he destroyed the mob. He single-handedly destroyed mob presence in Nevada from that day on. Well, Spilatro paid for it. Oh, my God, did he ever. By the way, Anthony Spilotro uh, is featured prominently in The Sixth Family. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my this, God. What, 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 what we tell in the book about Spilotro may yeah, be what true. really happened to him. You decide. Yeah. Hmm. You should buy the book just for that. Just I mean, for that. <laughs> I have never in my life 
Well, I'm not an avid reader because of many reasons, but when I read that, because I did the audio book, the detail of that, I mean, you know it was real. Congratulations, Pat, on that chapter. Thank you very much. Well, the next question is from Artie, and it is for everyone. Do you know anything about an unfulfilled contract on Al Capone's life after he was released from prison after his tax evasion sentence? It's alluded to in several books, but the information is vague. But Capone was dying of syphilis anyway, so who was going to kill him? Yeah, but I've read the same thing, and there was never anything specific. But one of the symptoms of syphilis is you can't shut up. Hello. Uh, the last stage. So they thought he was going to talk. Okay. Yeah, but you know he was on his own little island over there, and and, and, and off of uh, and it was yeah. in Biscayne Bay, right? Yeah. Right off so, of there. There had to be, you know. There's always been rumors of talk, like Julia said. But did you ever hear anything about anybody wanting to actually do the deed, or did just figure he'd be on that island and just let him die? Well, if if they the only thing I know about that island, there was two people there all the time with him. So they were the ones who would take him out two seconds if they were told to. Yeah, he was only 47 when he died, by the way, folks. Yeah, hello. Everybody everybody thinks Al Capone, you you know, you you see the movies that uh, Robert De Niro played him, Jason Robards played him. uh, uh, Lots of people played Al Capone and they always do, you know, mob boss, where you would figure a mob boss in in their 40s or 50s, you know, gain power. He was in his mid-20s when he was the king of Chicago. Well, no, I mean, he, he left here to go there. He left yeah. New York. And went yeah, there. He, he, he went in uh, 1919 to work with Johnny Torrio. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was 24 years old when he was the boss of Chicago. Well, you know, I, I, and he was the boss during the most lucrative time for any crime during prohibition. Yeah. But they you got to have some damn good managerial skills. I mean, everybody trying to take over your. I mean, there's gun battles every day. Yeah. But the, I mean, the manpower man. he had in Chicago, yeah. it was going against them. Mm, okay. Moving on. Yeah, this is probably the last question we'll be able to get to today. Um, so this one is from Jean, and it says, it's for Patrick. A while back, you mentioned a case you were handling in which your client was murdered and that you would keep us appraised of the ongoing investigation. Do you have any updates? Well, yeah, I never brought it back up again because it is still an ongoing investigation. Uh, I'm not involved in it. I'm a private person. But what happened was I had a client whose house was burglarized. Uh, we already went through this, but I'll, those of you who haven't caught up to that show. Anyway, uh, it was a business dispute. I got involved because of the burglary. I got hired to solve the burglary. While that's going on, he got in a business dispute with a very good friend of his. Uh, and the, the night the friend, he and a friend were going out to settle their problems. They were going out to dinner. I said, you know, they burglarized your house. Uh, it's got to be somebody that you know. Maybe I should go with you. And he said, you know, no, it's my buddy, Ken. Anyway, they go out to dinner. And uh, as my client was leaving, uh, Ken stayed back to pay the check as my client is leaving. An assassin came up behind him with a silenced gun, put two in his head and killed him. Uh, mm-hmm. Turns out that his good friend uh, hired the killers, uh, 
Vietnamese people from Philadelphia because he owed his good friend a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Didn't want to pay him, but that was in October. You face a capital case, small town America, should be all over the press. They put a lock on this thing and it's been locked solid, tight, no trial. The guy went to arraignment. Both sides agreed to continue the case. Now, usually a defense counsel will say, no, he's got a right to a speedy trial. Let's do it now. Because he figured, you know, you figure the prosecution isn't ready yet. You want to speed it up as much as possible. Everybody agrees. The defense counsel, the prosecutor. This was seven months ago. And the bottom line is what I can talk about is purely speculation. Is this case wound up being an international case? FBI is involved. They just detained a, a woman friend of my client maybe two months ago leaving her her, uh, her business in one of the local towns here. They pulled her over at two o'clock in the morning. They were waiting for her. She owns a Chinese grocery store. She had a bag full of money, a lot of money. It's still a lot of egg rolls to make this kind of money. It's two o'clock in the morning. She said she's going to the bank. Uh, the, the, the cops were waiting for her, state police. The state police don't operate around here. Small town police operate around here. But they held her for the FBI. The FBI comes, they held her overnight. They took her phone. They gave it back to her the next day, and they said, uh, well, you can go on your merry way. Of course, the first thing she did was get a new phone. But this just goes to show you that they're very much on top of this case. And my prediction is there's going to be a lot of people arrested here, including politicians, uh, uh, overseas connections with organized crime. It has a lot to do with uh, human trafficking. And really that's what I can say at this point. But once again, I'm not involved. All right. Well, this has been a great show. Thank you all for your inquiries. Keep the cards and letters coming. We want to do shows that you want to hear. So it's up to you to let us know what it is. Julia, thank you for hosting this for us. And Pat, have a great weekend. Everybody out there also. Johnny, have a good weekend. Julia, same to you. Bye-bye. that and i'll be back thank you for tuning in to the hollywood godfather podcast want to ask us a question for the mailbag we love hearing from our fans so submit your questions online at hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com or you can give us a call at 646-776-3038 and leave a message contact us anytime with your questions about past or future shows your favorite celebrity or anything you'd like to know and who knows your question may even make it on the air remember to follow us on instagram and on facebook at hollywood godfather and at real johnny russo if you like what you hear please leave us a review with your podcast provider or your video streaming service. We'll be back next week with another exciting show and who knows who we may have on the show. If you don't want to miss out on an episode, remember to subscribe. Until next time. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood Godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time. And that was that.